I want every hand lifted up to heaven. I thank you that you hear me always. And I thank you that you have already had an answer. Every prayer prayed. Now the hour and the moment has come. Now remember your man servant. According to that which was spoken in eternity before time appointed. And let these men of honor be impacted. Let them be infused with fresh fire. With fresh life. With fresh inspiration. And let not a man and a woman that came. My God leave these grounds the same as they came. In the name of Jesus Christ the Son of God. Stretch forth your hand. And do mighty deeds among your men of honor that we may return to our homes and our communities our cities and our nations and our generations to make the difference for which we were born now in the name of he who died and laid in the grave and arose triumphant I apprehend every voice of the enemy. I silence the voices of iniquity. I silence the voices of accusations that would attempt to accuse and to bring any of your men of honor under guilt. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke the voice of the enemy. And Satan, I command you to take your hands off this man of honor. Hands off every man of honor here. Under the sound of my voice, take your hands off. In the name of Jesus, somebody shout, take your hands off me. In the name of Jesus. Now you may shout. Now shouting is very, very important because you got to understand that before the walls of Jericho went down, after they had praised, they had to shout. Before Gideon took the city with his mighty 300 men, they had to blow the trumpet and shout. And there is something that shouting does to the enemy. It intimidates the enemy. It takes fear out of us and put it on the enemy. It turns the battle in our favor. Are you hearing me, somebody? Shout in advance for the victory. You may be seated in heavenly places and once again it's good to be with you and we honor and celebrate our bishop for his graciousness and for his kindness. Not too many people have the capacity to do the things he does and it will be a great endowment on this generation if we take for granted the gift of the person of Thomas D. Jakes we must not allow history to repeat itself 40 years ago God raised up a voice in this great nation that shook the corridors of power who stood from city to city in the United States and in the corridors of power and echoed his voice and said I have a dream I have a dream that one day the white man and the black man will live together as brothers I have a dream 
I have a dream. He said, I've been to the top of the mountain. I've seen the promised land. And it matter anymore. For I have a dream. And almost 40 years ago, that voice was cut off. We must not allow history to repeat itself. History only repeats itself when the people only celebrate their heroes, but don't commit to lay down their lives for their heroes. When David was old and gray-headed, David was a man that was so skillful in battle that he alone could kill hundreds of men. As a matter of fact, one of the great wise men that ever lived upon the face of the earth with, by the name of Ahitophel had declared and said that it would take 3,000 men to kill David alone. He said to Absalom, it will take 3,000 men to kill your father. If you will give me 3,000 men and let all the others handle the rest of the mighty men, but give me 3,000 men, I will bring back the head of your father. And that was the amount of men that it took to take David down. He was so skillful and something happened to David whenever he was in battle. The anointing of Jehovah came upon him. He was like a consuming and a hungry lion and he could devour anything and anybody. When the anointing came upon him, battles and warfare made David so bold as a lion and he could handle anything. When he was old, David killed Goliath and he and his men took care of five giants that came out of God. And these five giants was born out of a giant, five of them. And they came out of God. And the Bible said when David was old and gray-headed, one of Goliath's brothers, one of Goliath's brothers attempted to avenge Goliath in his old age. And decided in the battlefield to kill David. And that was one of Goliath's own brothers that attempted to kill and to assassinate David. And one of David's mighty men, because he had poured himself into them, one of the signs of greatness is the ability to be able to pass on the baton to the next generation, to be able to invest yourself into others, to be able to multiply yourself in others. And when David was old and gray-headed and his strength was weakened, he could not kill giants anymore at this time. He faced one of Goliath's brothers from God. And he could not handle the strength of this long, young, mighty, warring giant. And one of his mighty men came in and rescued him and snatched him from the hands of this young giant. And said unto David, you are not good for the battle anymore. You are a coach. You have been to different battles. You are a general with many scars on your body. You fought lions, you fought a bear, you killed giants, and you need to keep that experience you have for the next generation. You cannot die, because if you die, the generation after you will stumble in darkness. You must keep this thing you have. You gotta keep this godly legacy for the next generation. You cannot die and go to your grave with everything you have learned. And he said, your value, David, your value as one man is 10,000 of us all and so you go to the palace and remain as a lamp to Israel a light 
one that illuminates and give a sense of direction be the visionary of the nation of israel we will go to the battles we will fight the lions we will fight the bear we will take cities we will kill giants and we will put your name on those cities we will not put our names even though we will win the cities but we'll put your name on that city but if anything goes wrong with you the vision and the lamp of israel will go dim and it will quench and that is why we must not take for granted once again let's celebrate and give god thanks for the person of his man servant honorable bishop thomas d Jakes, for who he is let's thank god for this prophetic voice it's a prophetic voice it's not just a voice crying in the wilderness it's a prophetic voice raised for a time such as this and we must not take for granted the gift we have amen bishop we salute you in the name of he who died and laid in the grave and arose triumphant on the third day even jesus christ our soon coming king we thank god for you and for being who you are for your graciousness for the greatness in you that permits and allows some of us to stand on your shoulders and to see into what the future holds for the extent to which we see into the future is because we stand on the shoulders of men like you that have survived that which would have killed and destroyed giving us the opportunity standing on your shoulders to see the future and to have confidence and hope in ourselves thank you for believing in us it's very easy for everybody to believe in you when you've succeeded but the man that believes in you before you make it is a great one and you are a great one and thank you for being great give god praise hallelujah i want to thank god for all of our friends and brothers that have come from all over the place thank god for my friends from uh, memphis tennessee dr leo holt Thank you all for coming and all of you from Tulsa, New York, other places that said you were going to be here. Thanks for coming. I brought with me some few books. I personally made sure that I wrote this book for manpower. The title of this book is The Supernatural Powers of a Praying Man. A Supernatural Power of a Praying Man. Every man that goes to the book, you get a discount of $1 on this book. Hallelujah. Amen. The Price of Greatness. The only difference between you and the man you admire that has made it is that he knows something you don't know. That's the only difference. If you can find the secret of the one you so admire that has made it so great, then you have. You can be great if you can pay the price. Everyone was born with greatness. Everyone has a potential of greatness in us. But there is a price to pay to attain that greatness. Find the secrets. In this book, you will see how many times President Abraham Lincoln failed and did not allow failure to determine his destiny. Failure is not an event, it's an opinion. You think you have failed because of an event or a circumstance, but it's only an opinion. It is not. It is not an event. And it don't matter what has gone wrong and what has happened to you. You can rise above your circumstances. You can make a difference. Men of honor are not those who have never failed and made mistakes before. 
But there are those who though they make mistakes and they fail, they don't give up fighting the good fight of faith. They keep on fighting until they succeed. Men of honor are not those that went to the best schools of our time. Men of honor are not those who went to Yale or Harvard or Cambridge or Oxford or men with the ability to articulate words in the enticing wisdoms of men. But men of honor are those who have survived. They have survived hell. They have survived high waters. They have survived that which could have killed others. Men of honor are those who live for a cause, believe in a cause, and die for a cause. Men of honor are those who believe that they were born for a reason and that they are not a mistake even if you don't know who your father is. If you don't even know the name of your father, I came to tell you that the fact that you were born and you are alive and you are not dead is an indication that the earth needs you here and God has a plan for you. Are you hearing me somebody? If you are hearing me all over this place, lift up your hands and shout, I hear you. You can be a man of honor. It don't matter where you are in life. Men of honor are those who influence others. And if you have only one person that looks up to you, you can influence him for good and not for evil. And anytime you influence somebody for good, you become a man of honor. Men of honor don't hold on to what they have. They share. They distribute. They, they, they give to others. They impact the life of others. They mentor others. They nourish others. They lift up others. They help others. They pass on what they have. Men of honor don't die broke. Men of honor don't die empty. And I came to tell you that you have no right dying broke. Say with me, I will not die broke. I want you to say it like a confession. I will not die broke. I said to a friend of mine the other day, I said, five years from today, if Jesus tarry, I will no more work for money, but money will work for me. If you die working for money, you never lived. You never know what living is until money works for you. And you got to be determined that you will not die broke. And you must also be determined that you will die empty. When you die, you must die empty. When Elisha died, he took to the grave the legacy and the baton for the next generation. The anointing to raise the dead was in the tombs of the prophet Elisha. Because he failed to pass it on to the next generation. And I am determined that when my season is over and I have walked my path and run my race and I have finished the course for which I was apprehended of eternity and in the volumes of the books of eternity and I'm off this planet that the earth will know that once upon a time a man like me did live that once upon a time a voice like me lived you must be determined that when you die the world will know that you live you must be determined that when you get out of this world that those who come after you will know that once upon a time an individual like you did live did live not just existed but you live are you hearing me somebody shout I hear you the price of greatness I have this book written binding the strong man Jesus himself said how can you enter into a territory or a region or a home a family of a strong man and take its goods and set the captives free except you bind him first there are strong men responsible for territories and communities uh, I have been in this thing for 25 years of wrestling with beast of uh, Paul said the other day I wrestled with the beast of Ephesus I have wrestled with all kinds of beasts 
and, and I know how they operate because the devil tried to kill me before I was born. When my mother took seed of me, Bishop, she bled for four months. And Dr. Sacramento in Ghana said to my mother, Florence, you will not make it. You are bleeding too much. There is something wrong with this pregnancy and we have to abort this child. And so they performed on my mother. Forty-four years ago, they performed on Florence Bruce, a DNC, and aborted this vessel you see stand before you. And five months after the seed was aborted, according to man, the stomach of my mother kept growing, and the doctor said there is something wrong with this pregnancy. I performed the DNC myself at theater. And my mother said, what is going on? And the doctor said, the bleeding have ceased, but the child is still in your womb. The bleeding have ceased, but the child is still in your womb. Are you hearing me, somebody? The reason why the devil is so angry and mad with you is because you are a child of prophecy. You are a child of destiny. Are you hearing me, somebody? There is nothing wrong with you. The problem with you is your prophecy and not you. Are you hearing me, somebody? And from the time I was born until now, I have seen all kinds of battles and warfare. And I've come to the conclusion that we underestimate what we are dealing with. Paul said the other day, he said, I am not ignorant of the devices of the enemy, lest he gains advantage over us. If we don't know the strategies, the strength, and the weaknesses of our opponents, we will never be able to withstand him. And this is a deception for people to underestimate the intelligence and the depths of Satan. It's a game we're playing, I'm telling you, church. Jesus himself made it clear. He said, the prince of this world cometh, but has nothing in me. He's the prince of this world. You must understand that he's the God of this world. You must also understand that Satan's legacy, Adam's legacy on the planet has not yet expired. Even though Jesus had overcome principalities and powers and have perpetually established the defeat of Satan, we as intercessors and believers are the law enforcement agents of God. And unless somebody prays to enforce the promises and to enforce the prophetic word, what God has said can tarry and it can be deferred because somebody did not pray. We have laws made by nations and laws made by the United States. There is a law that you don't have to travel and, and, and go beyond a particular speed line or kilometers. And when the red light comes on at the traffic light, you stop. And now if you violate those laws, the laws cannot arrest you. But it is the law enforcement agents of a state that enforces the law. The believer, the intercessor is the law enforcement agent of God giving the mandates from God giving from God divine accreditations we are giving from God a warrant for the arrest of every demon spirit and power and of every work of the enemy the believer has that warrant and I want you to live here and go back to your homes and back to your communities and back to your city and back to your churches wherever you came from and where the sole of your feet touch your community your home your city you tell the devil I have a warrant for your arrest I have a warrant for your arrest are you hearing me somebody lift up your hands and shout yes Mataka Bahaya hey Kaduhusai Jesus 
you need to understand how to identify the strong man of your family, your community, your city, and your nation, and how to bind him. And the word bind him here is very important. You must understand that you just don't go binding things. You must know that there are bindables and losables. Say bindables and losables. For instance, you can't bind the bishop. You can't bind him. Because he's already loose in heaven. And you can't bind what heaven has loose. Are you hearing me somebody? It's a principality in the kingdom. And you don't bind the principalities of the kingdom and of the church. So there are things to bind and there are things to lose. We have bindables and losables. And this book will help you to understand. Praying through the promises. It is one thing to know the promises. And it's another thing to know how to do intelligence and wise warfare. Skillful warfare to birth and to bring into manifestation that which God has determined before time appointed to bring it to pass. And I have come to infuse and to inject into your bloodstream a virus of intercession. A virus that will cause you to live here and get angry and mad with the devil. And tell the devil I am sick and tired of you messing with me, messing with my family, messing with my finances, messing with my children. I am sick and tired of you messing with me and I am drawing the bloodline. And this is why it ends. Stay on your side of the line. Somebody say Satan in the name of Jesus stay on your side of the line the power of the intercessor praying at midnight there is something about midnight prayer and cry Praying until something happens. Corporate prayers for community transformation. Nothing happens until we pray. Get some of this thing. Everything you want to know about prayer, you go to my book table. I don't just talk it. There are people who talk about prayer, but they have no depth and understanding of prayer. When you talk, when I talk about prayer, I'm not playing games. I have a pastor on this pulpit here from Nigeria many years ago. I've known him for many years. We've been friends and buddies for many years. And he used to pastor in London many years ago. We lived together. We prayed together for hours. One day, a friend of mine, Dr. Larry Lee, the praying man of America in those days, came to visit me. And he normally comes with Melva and his son, John. And we would go into the woods in London there where we live in Bushy. And we would pray in the woods. And one day, we had talked and ate and prayed. And we went to bed at about 1 a.m. And at 3 a.m., the Holy Ghost woke me up and said, Wake up, Paul, and wake up, Larry Lee, for the devil has plotted to assassinate Larry Lee tomorrow morning. So I said, Larry, up, up, up. And I said, John, wake up. Larry said, what is it? I said, the devil has planned to kill you tomorrow. And I said, we have to abort it. Somebody say abort. abort. Say abort. abort. Whatever the devil has imagined and whatever the devil has conceived and imagined and he's projecting and impressing upon your future, I came to tell you by the time you leave this conference, whatever the enemy has set you up for, it shall be aborted. Are you hearing me, somebody? Somebody shout, abort! I said to Larry Lee, I said, the devil 
has conceived a plan and he has a plan to kill you tomorrow and it was like joking they were going to manchester to preach for one pastor friend of ours and these pastor sitting here i'll let him tell you the story it was very frightening and i can understand why the devil wanted to cut larry lee off and not only him but possibly him because of the work he's doing in nigeria today raising a church of seven thousand less than five years shaking that nation that was one called an islamic nation the devil cannot you see listen carefully the devil does not understand the details of your prophecy but the devil can sense he can sense future he can sense greatness he can sense destiny and that's why you got to understand that's why there was a decree in egypt that all the male sons of the hebrews should be eliminated now if you have sense logically you realize that in the plantation it wasn't the women that were working in the plantation and in egypt it wasn't the women that built the walls of egypt or the palaces of egypt it was the men and so logically if the men are those who bring in the development why kill the men and leave the women the thing was not all the men that died it, the, the thing was because of the prophecy of Abraham in Genesis the 15th chapter the devil did not want that prophecy to come to pass and before Joseph died Joseph said when you are crossing and leaving this land take my bones with you are you hearing me something there is something about the bones of the believer he said take my bones with you my God when the angel of death came to the land the bones of Joseph was riding there the bones of Joseph crossed the Red Sea the bones of Joseph went through the wilderness of Sinai and crossed through the Jordan River and came into the promised land Joseph said I may not come with you alive but my bones will come with you are you hearing me somebody lift up your hands and shout I hear you I want Pastor Paul I did Pharisee from Lagos Nigeria to tell us exactly in a minute or two what happened in that day and that situation in London England when they left to go to Manchester after we have prayed that midnight 3 a.m god said wake larry lee out and when i woke him out he said bishop you will not believe this just when you called me there was someone with a gun standing and ready to shoot me and you called me and i woke up from the sleep first of all bless you bishop bless you bishop it was it was about Eight, nine years ago, uh, Dr. Larry Lee, myself, his son, John Aaron, and um, the pastor in Manchester were driving up to Manchester to go and lead a prayer meeting there for three days. When the prayer meeting was over, we set out to come back to London by road. And on our way back, we noticed that they had closed off one whole side of the freeway opposite to us. And there was a trail of about maybe 20, 30 police vehicles, including motorcycles, cars, um, um, I think the bomb detection squad, um, the K-9 unit. <clears throat> and then they pulled up around us and asked us to come out with our hands up. 
put us all on the ground and they had their guns trained on us about maybe 20 officers and they said that somebody had radioed them I was praying all the way from Manchester to, to London um, that somebody had radioed them that we were carrying firearms in the vehicle the long and the short of this where they put us all on the floor made a whole scene out of it took us to the police station and when it was all said and done and they didn't find any arms in the vehicle um, and they got three reports that we were carrying firearms apparently with some some witchcraft in the area that had propagated that I asked one of the policemen and he said to me I said to him if I pulled out my wallet to identify myself to you and show you my ID would you have shot me thinking it was a gun and he said my finger was on the trigger my safety was off and the laser was trained to the back of your brain and we had a laser on everybody's head because as far as we were concerned you are all armed thank you pastor paul few weeks ago I was in Virginia and the Holy Ghost said to me pray for Pastor Ihambe and he didn't tell me what to pray about so I began to pray in the Holy Ghost and I tried to reach him but I couldn't get him and then the next morning I kept on feeling in my spirit to pray more for him but I had no meaning so I kept on praying the Holy Ghost and then I called him on his cell phone and he picked it up and when he picked it up I just began to pray in the Holy Ghost and he said Bishop you won't believe what happened I almost died I said what happened he said I'm standing at the front of a shop here I went in to buy a suit and I was paying the money at the counter and an arm robber with a gun walked into the shop and said everybody down and give me the money and he tried to resist and the guy pulled the trigger and said don't mess with me i'll kill you and pulled the trigger on him so everybody surrounded and he took all the monies from the shop here in dallas and he was walking out and the holy ghost said to him go after him and he went after him and wrestled with him and took the gun off him and he after that event standing on the spot when the police arrived and arrested this armed robber who they now claim that he's been responsible for many killings in Dallas here. He said, Bishop, how did you know what was going on? I said, the Holy Ghost. Pastor Ihambe, he's standing here. Please stand. I'm trying to say one or two things before we get into the word, so you will appreciate where I'm coming from, that this is not game. This is a very serious thing. I was in Ghana a couple of years ago and I went to the Golden Tulip to have breakfast in the morning. And when I was coming out, I met one of the senators of my state. And he said to me, guess who is in town? And I said, who? And he said, General Obasanjo from Nigeria. I said, please give him my love and greetings and tell him we've been praying for him and it's been a long time. I went home and I went to sleep. When I woke up, one of my armor bearer, Charles, he's sitting here, he said to me, General Basson, George just called you. He wants you to return his call. So I returned his call. He said, Bishop, can we get together tonight for dinner? I said, let's do it. So we got together for dinner with some of the state senators and congressmen and some of the ambassadors from the United States, London, England, Paris, all over the place. And after the meeting, it was about 12 midnight. And he said, can we spend some time in my hotel to pray? I said, let's do it. 
So we went down to his hotel to pray. At about 1 a.m., the anointing came upon me, and I said to him, I said, General Obasanjo, you shall be the next president of Nigeria. He said, how can these things be? And I said, watch God. I said, you are going back to politics. You become the next president of Nigeria. And I announced it. He said, if it be the will of God, let it be done. I went to Nigeria a year after with Dr. Maurice Sarulo, speaking to 7,000 pastors from all over Africa. After preaching, the anointing came upon me, and the Lord said, I want you to announce that the next president of Nigeria will be General Basanjo. I said, no, I'm not going to try it. Not in Nigeria here. I won't do this. I will not mess with it. I said, at that time, General Abubakar was still in, in power. The military was still in power. The bound on party politics has not yet been lifted, and it will be very dangerous and very unwise to say. And the Lord said that this is the set time to declare it, so stand there and declare it. So I told my armor bearer, tell the driver to get the car ready. And then I told one of my pastors that went with me, I said, go to the hotel right now, check me out, take my luggage and everything, go straight to the airport and wait for me there. So I gathered courage and I stood there and I said, that says Jehovah, the next president of Nigeria shall be General Obasanjo. The whole place went quiet. And the media took me up and said, it is impossible. He can never become the president of Nigeria. I told Pastor Paul in my hotel in Lagos, I said, that man is the next president of Nigeria. And people fought me, sent emails. The media said all kinds of things. But I came to tell you that General Basanjo is now the president of Nigeria. It happened and it came to pass. Now, somebody said, are you a prophet? No, I am not a prophet. I'm not a prophet. I'm just an intercessor. I just pray. And when you pray, you can tap from the divine secrets of God. When you are an intercessor, you can overhear the things that are going on in the chambers. And in the throne of Jehovah, God can whisper some things to you if you are an intercessor. Are you hearing me, somebody? God said the other day, he said, shall I and can I hear the secret from Abraham and that which I will do? seeing that he will be a great man and that he will command his house and his children after him to walk in my ways and keep my status that that which I promised Abraham will come to pass so I don't have word for anybody please don't see me for a word because I don't have word for anybody if you pray you will hear from God for yourself are you hearing me somebody I want to talk to you for some few minutes on the subject I entitled The Pain That Provoked Jabez to Pray. The Pain. The Pain. Pain can kill you or make you pray. Pain can make you mad and angry. Pain can cause you to become bitter, unforgiving, and pain, affliction can also cause you to become jealous and envious of the successes of others. If you don't know how to deal with pain, you may never be able to attain to the highest of the potentials that God has 
deposited inside of you before time appointed everybody have something inside of them the Bible said that a man was traveling and he's called unto his own servants and to one he gave five and another two and to the other one according to their several abilities so everybody has an ability everybody has something and where you are today and what you have today is what your ability can handle and manage and if you can improve on your skills and your ability to manage what you have you can have more oh listen carefully what you have today is not all that god wants you to have god wants you to have more but he wants to see how you handle what you have right now and the way you handle what you have right now will determine whether you have what you need that you don't have now are you hearing me somebody if you hearing me shout i hear you many years ago i preached this message on jabez and i'm told that there is a book out on the prayer of jabez so i i haven't read the book yet but i decided to go back to my scriptures and really look at what this whole prayer of jabez is all about because i'm a praying person i'm one of those who believe i thank god for the faith movement i've preached faith and prosperity for many years but i've come to tell you ladies and gentlemen that faith can't do everything uh, the bible said to faith add add to your faith add to your faith add to your faith so faith is good one of the problems job had was when his crisis came he didn't understand what was happening none of the friends of job understood what was happening to job even job didn't understand what was happening it wasn't the devil that was doing anything the devil didn't do, didn't do anything because you got to understand ladies and gentlemen that it's not everybody that god allows the devil to test you and to try you it's only few that have that opportunity and the devil is only allowed to go against men that have come of age men that have come of age in their conviction and in their pursuit of god and of their purpose men that have come of age like paul who said the other day he said i have run the race and i have finished my course." he said woe is me if i preach not the gospel for a necessity is laid upon me men who believe in a cause and are willing to die for the cause for which they live if you can't die for what you believe, it's not worth believing in it. The reason why Islam is so powerful is because these Muslims are so strong in their passion and conviction that dying for what they believe gives them an eternal gain. Somebody say, I hear you. I believe that the devil works for God. I personally believe that the devil is on God's payroll, but he doesn't receive salary. He gets the job done. That's why the Bible said if the princes of this world have known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. If the devil had known that attacking you and coming against you and doing what he did to you will bring you to manpower 2001, he would have left you alone. Are you hearing me, somebody? I'm telling you, the devil made a mistake. If only the devil knew the outcome of what he was doing to you he wouldn't have done it the bible said the more they afflicted them the more they grew and as i studied the prayer of jabez i realized that everybody's praying about the prayer of jabez and they are asking god for the blessing of jabez and praying the same thing jabez prayed but i went beyond that if we would turn our bibles to first chronicles first chronicles chapter number four reading from the ninth and the tenth verse of first chronicles if you please stand on your feet in the reading of god's word 
And Jabez was more honorable. We're talking about men of honor, more honorable. There are things you can do that will not make you just a man of honor or even honorable, but more honorable. Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother named or called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, who is the God of covenants. And he said, saying, Oh, that thou mightest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thy hand may be with me, and that thou mightest keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. And the Lord granted him his request. Turn your Bible to James chapter 5 and the 13 verse, please. James chapter 5 and the 13 verse. James 5 and 13. Is any, is any among you afflicted or in pain? Let him pray. Is any, he said, is any merry? Let him sing. Is any among you sick? Or is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins... They shall be forgiven. Amen. Amen. I want you to put your Bibles down. Close your Bibles and put it down. And you may be seated in heavenly places. And come with me for some few minutes. Whilst I try to challenge you. To live here with an understanding. When I heard about the book on the prayer of Jabez, I asked myself, what is it all about? And so I went back to the book and decided to find out what the scriptures have to say about the prayer of Jabez. And I realized that the Bible said that there was an imposition here on Jabez, just as um, Rachel was trying to do to his son, trying to superimpose a pain and a curse. And I realized that Jabez was cursed. And then also there was a possibility that his father had walked away from the mother. And Bible didn't tell us the circumstances under which Jabez was born. But we know that there was a, he was born under some very difficult circumstances which compare a mother that loved a son so much to name him pain. Um, mothers are committed even to the last minute. Uh, it doesn't matter how much shame a son brings, how much reproach a son brings, how much embarrassment and, and how much uh, disgrace a son brings uh, to a parent, a mother will always hang with them to the last minute. Uh, if you look at Jesus on the cross, the father gave up on him, but the mother was standing by him. When even the father in heaven gave up on him because of sin, the mother did not give up. The mother saw the sin, 
he was carrying the sin of us all and mother said i don't care what you are carrying and i don't care how sinful you are i bore you in my womb and i will stand with you to the end and jesus stood there and saw the mother even at that last moment standing with him in nakedness in shame why is the father in heaven turn on him because of the sin and so you can imagine why a mother that loved his own kids so dearly can call the name of a son pain pain now when Jabez grew up and understood and came to the understanding of the circumstances under which he was born and understood the meaning of his name that this is an imposition this is not me i am not pain and you realize that Jabez could have resorted into any other thing, into arms. He could have taken the law into his hands. He could have become a drug addict. He could have become anything else. And there was a possibility that he saw what was happening to his brethren because daddy was in home. He saw that his brothers were causing pain. Maybe the brothers were causing their wives pain, their children pain, society pain, their community pain. And when he saw what was going on and realized the pain the father caused the mother, Jabez came to the conclusion that I don't want to cause pain. I don't want to cause pain. And he said that God, unless you do something, unless you do something about my life, chances are that I may become like my father. I may cause other women or I may cause my wife the pain that my father caused my mother. If you don't do something about my life, I will cause my children pain. I may end up causing the people I love pain. I may end up causing my society a pain. I don't want to cause pain. That was what provoked Jabez to pray. It wasn't the lack of the prayer and the blessing. People are blessed. He could have had the blessing with the pain. There are some of you seated there. You've come to Manpower 2001, but you are in pain. You are married, but you are in pain. You are single, but you are in pain. You are blessed, but you are in pain. You are intelligent, but you are in pain. You have a home, but you are in pain. You have a car, but you are in pain. You have a job, but you are in pain. You have children, but you are in pain. Are you hearing me, somebody? You are laughing, but you are in pain. You are clapping, but you are in pain. You are praising, but you are in pain. You are preaching, but you are in pain. You are teaching, but you are in pain. You are singing, but you are in pain. You are paying your bills, but in pain. And Jabez said, I don't want to cause pain. Men of honor are those who refuse to cause others pain. Men of honor are those who learn how to master their head and their pain and not carry it to the next generation. Men of honor are those who have learned how to endure and to take pain and affliction and hardness and not to allow it to affect others. It doesn't matter what you are going through. Don't become bitter and don't sin. Say don't become bitter. And don't sin because sin is no excuse for affliction Joseph was going through some heavy-duty afflictions right there from the pit hatred from his brethren 
found himself as a slave in the land of Egypt and in the house of Potiphar. My God, what kind of afflictions he faced. He faced rejection. He was misrepresented. He was cut off from among his own brethren. He did not exist as long as his father and mother was concerned, his brethren was concerned. Joseph was dead and he, 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 he had the lack of a sense of belonging. He found himself in a strange land, born free but slave. Born as a free man, loved by a father, but became a slave. Sold into slavery, though he was born a free man. And he could allow his pain to have been an excuse to sin. He could have also allowed his affliction and pain to make him bitter against his brethren, but he didn't. So it doesn't matter what you're going through. When you know that the good, the bad, and the ugly, they are all designed as long as you keep loving God. As long as you set your affection on God. No matter what happens to you, I came to tell you that that thing you are going through right now is designed by God to work for your good. At the end of it all, it will work for your good. Are you hearing me, somebody? Shout, I hear you. Jabez did not allow the circumstances surrounding his birth to determine where he was going in life. He said, my name might be pain. I might suffer an imposition, but that has nothing with what God has put inside of me. My God, Jabez knew inside of him that he could make a difference. I don't care the circumstances under which you were born, you can make a difference. Jesus was born in a manger, but he did not remain in a manger. He was born in a manger, but he, he, he did not die, and he was not buried in a manger. So it doesn't matter the color of your skin. No matter who daddy was, I never knew who my father was until I was 20 years old. The first time I met my father was when I was 20 years old. And I was bitter, I didn't like him. Because mama had told me all kinds of things and some of the things mama told me poisoned me about daddy. So I really didn't like him. And when I got saved and came to the knowledge of the son of God and had a serious encounter when the devil tried to kill me and I lost three of my fingers and I was filled with the Holy Ghost and began to study the word and the scriptures. The Lord said to me, he said, son, if you don't deal with your anger, which is a result of the pain of rejection, you will become just like your daddy. So you got to release him. You got to forgive him and release him because if you don't deal with it, you will become exactly what you hate. And there are so many of you men out here, daddy was not home, but that is no reason why you should be bitter. That is no reason why you should be full of anger and hate and take it upon your wife and your children. We, so many of us men, were so angry by the time we married and we didn't know how to enjoy pleasure. We didn't know how to talk to the woman because we were angry. And when you are angry, you cannot communicate effectively. When you are angry, you are not yourself. When you are angry you are controlled by something else when you are angry you are under the control of somebody else anything that makes you angry has mastered you anything that makes you angry can kill you are you hearing me somebody 
and there are so many men here who are men of honor but you are angry inside of you you are angry because daddy wasn't there you are angry because he didn't play with you you are angry because when you needed him he wasn't there you are angry because when you graduated he wasn't at school you are angry because you saw your friends fathers dropping them at school coming to PTA meeting but daddy was never there it was always mama and you felt so embarrassed that you didn't have a daddy to be there for you like the others but the more reason why you should not be angry is because of what Jabez did listen to me if you don't want to cause pain like your daddy caused you pain then stop being angry and make a quality decision that you will be there for your kids that you will be there for your children that you will make the difference your father didn't make that you will not let the pain drive you crazy to do something you don't have to do but you will rather allow the pain to provoke you to make a difference somebody shout make a difference you were born to make a difference you were born to make an impact men of honor are those who make impact men of honor are waiting they are waiting somebody say waiting men of honor are heavy say heavy i don't say this to flatter people because i'm not that type and kind of flatters men but when you get close with the bishop you will realize that the bishop is not just like any other that he works in his own class and that the man is weighty and the man is heavy and weightiness and being heavy is not crowds and it is not money it is not what you wear it is not what you wear but weightiness have to do with what you are carrying inside of you with what you are pregnant with with the understanding and the knowledge that you are a man born to make a difference and it doesn't matter the circumstances under which you were born it doesn't matter the color of your skin it doesn't matter what happened when mama took seed of you it doesn't matter whether you went to school or not you can still make a difference if you choose to make a difference you will make a difference because the greater is inside of you than he that is in the world are you hearing me somebody if you are hearing me lift up your hands and shout i hear you the bible said he was more honorable not just honorable but more 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 honorable what makes a man more honorable when a man decides not to allow his pain to master him but he chooses to master his pain through the supernatural powers of prayer. Martin Luther King could have resorted into violence and arms. He could have taken the law into his hands and not many would have remembered his name. But he acted as a man of honor. He believed that living is not how long one lives but it's the difference you made he chose not to resort into arms and to take the law into his own hands but he believed that there was something that god had given him that by the powers of intelligent and skillful communication under the unction and the influence of the almighty that man could be persuaded to reason and to see reasoning and he lived and said, 
I have a dream. He didn't live to see the fulfillment of his dream. See, the devil is a liar. Men of honor don't always live through their dreams to the end. But they are those who though they see the promised land. They might not live to see it, but they create waves, they break grounds, they raise up bridges for generations yet unborn. Men of honor don't live for themselves. Men of honor live for the next generation. Men of honor live for others. They don't live for themselves. Men of honor are not selfish. Men of honor don't kill one another. Men of honor don't betray one another. Men of honor don't envy one another. Men of honor don't jealous one another. Men of honor don't speak evil of themselves. But men of honor believe in the achievement of others and stand for the achievement of others and die for the cause of others if you die leaving your family and the name of your father in the same state you met the name of your family and your father you did not leave you were disappointment when you die your father's name must be known across the nations of the earth forever the name of Thomas DJ's will ever live and outlive him and his children's children why because he chose not to allow the lo geographical location of which he was born and positioned and the color of his skin to determine how far he could go in life he chose that in the midst of all the affliction and the storms and hell and the high water that there was something he had to offer his generation that he had something to give to others and he did not allow his background and his circumstances to restrict him and to make him bitter but he rather chose I have something to help and I'll help somebody and whenever you'd make a decision to help others your blessing comes whenever you chose not to be greedy God then turns your captivity are you hearing me somebody you must not die you are not permitted to die you have no business dying as a matter of fact heaven doesn't need you now Because if God needs us in heaven, when you got saved, he would have translated you into heaven. You are more needed here than heaven. There is nothing happening in heaven right now. The cloud of witnesses are looking down here. This is where the show is. This is where the action is. This is where the real action is. Are you hearing me, somebody? Father Abraham and, and the patriarch and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and, and Peter and Paul and all the apostles are out there as cloud of witnesses and their children stay on the ground. I know you have fallen. The Bible said the righteous fallen seven times and seven times he rises up again. Are you hearing me somebody? Shout yes! Somebody shout yes! Micah said the other day, he said, my enemy rejoice not over me when I fall, for I shall rise again. I came to tell you that there is a comeback spirit. 
there is a comeback power there is an overtaking power there is a surviving power there is a restoration power in the inside of you that no devil and no hell can hold it down are you hearing me somebody i come to tell you that it is time to come back again shout yes sit down Hey, Kadohosamaya, Sakaya, loose the man of honor. Take your hands off them, break the bounds of wickedness, undo petty headings, let the oppressed go free. In the name of Jesus, let the oppressed go free. We loose every oppressed man of honor here under the sound of my voice. Somebody say with me, I will not cause pain. You know why doctors give you a painkiller? I find out, Bishop, that it is not the sickness or the disease that kills, but it is the pain that kills. And the reason why they give painkillers, they give you a medicine to deal with the cause of the pain, then they give you a painkiller so that you don't feel the pain to allow the body to heal itself and it is the word of god that heals the cause of the pain but it is prayer that enables you to master the pain until the word of god has finished its course in your life are you hearing me somebody shout yes When a woman is in travail, there is something they call the passenger. The passenger is the child. Then the birth canal. Then there is something they call power. Everybody say power. Power is the ability to push. Paul said, brethren, not that I have apprehended. Not that I have apprehended. But he said, this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, I forget the victories of yesterday. I forget the defeat of yesterday. I forget the failures of yesterday. And he said, I reach out to the things which are set before me. Then he said, I press. Somebody shout, press. He said, I press towards the prize of the mark of the high calling. Now, when a woman is in travail, you have the birth canal, you have the passenger, which is the child, and you have what we call power. Power is the ability to push. And when the woman can't stand the pain and she refuses to push, she endangers the life of the miracle and endangers her own life. And the only way to save the miracle and possibly save her is to cut her open. If you don't push, you may have to be cut with knife. I don't have to be cut with knife, but God says, like the bishop said, that God is going to break us. 
like he did to Jacob. God knows where to break you. God said, if you don't master that pain and you don't push through that miracle, God said, I have invested too much in you to let that miracle die. God said, I've invested too much in you for you to die. And the only way I can save what I've invested in you and save you for a time such as this is to take you to the theater table and cut you open. And if you don't push, when God cuts you and sows you out, there will be scars on your body. Because you didn't push. In James chapter 5 and the 13th verse, sit down please. The Bible said, is there any afflicted among you then he came down and said is there any sick so this particular affliction is different from sickness it is not talking about sickness because then he came down and said is there any sick among you let him call on the other so it's not referring to sickness this is torture frustration deprivation reduced to nothingness a sense of powerlessness a sense of hopelessness a feeling of inadequacy a sense of rejection my god subdued to tribunes to pain to affliction can't pay your bills can't provide for the woman you love and the children you care for finding yourself at the mercy of others and begging for people and though you have what it takes to offer nobody believes in you and want to give you a chance and all those things can cause you pain and the bible said is there any among you afflicted let him not sing and let him not make a faith confession and let him not just worship or praise my god my god daddy i don't know say Ah, remove the scars of our eyes. Give us a hearing ear and a seeing eye that we may comprehend and apprehend the mysteries of the gospel. The Bible said, Is there any afflicted among you? Let him call on 911. Is there any afflicted among you? Let him call on the prophets to prophesy. Is there any afflicted among you? Let him call on the pastor. Let him talk about it. Let him cry. Let him be angry. Let him be frustrated. Let him be depressed. Let him feel oppressed. Let him feel rejected. But is there any among you that is being afflicted or going through afflictions or pain? Let him pray. Because it is only prayer. Prayer is the only antidote to pain. Because when you pray, you offload your pain. Prayer is a mean and a channel through which we offload our heavy burdens. The Bible says, with stumbling lips and with other tongues will I give you rest. Stumbling lips and other tongues. There is something about praying the Holy Ghost. Ay, 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 ay. Somebody lift up your hands and pray in other tongues for a minute. Hey, 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 somebody pray. I want the man of honor to pray. I want the man of honor to open your mouth and pray in other tongues. Do it again, 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 do
again. Let the rivers of living water be stirred. Stir the rivers of living water within. Cause a stirring of the treasures within. Cause a stirring of rivers of living water. For out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I want the man of honor to pray. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Ah, yet you can hear. You can shout by praying. You can scream by praying. You can praise by praying. Hey, Kadish, Matakalesh. They took a baby. I take a baratas. Sit down for a minute. When we feel oppressed, we go on the crack. We smoke because of the pain. We shoot all kinds of poisons and toxins into our bloodstreams and our veins because we can't deal with pain. We drink. We chase women all over town. Some young man asked me the other day, he said, Bishop, every morning when I get up, I feel erection. What do I do about it? What's wrong with me? I said, there's nothing wrong. He said, nothing wrong. I said, yes. I said, it's a sign of manhood. And it's a sign that you are alive. But don't allow erection to determine your direction. Just because you saw a beautiful thing and you felt power and you felt some erection, don't let erection determine your direction because it is not everything you see that is really what you are seeing. Samson was a mighty man. He got involved with three women. The first woman, he went into her and allowed erection to determine direction. Second woman, he allowed erection to determine direction. Third woman, allow erection to determine direction. Listen, just because you feel erection with another woman that you don't feel with your wife, don't mean God is ministering or speaking to you to, to sweep. Somebody say, I hear, I hear you. If you don't feel anything for your wife, maybe you need to go see your doctor, do some heart checkup, and get some Viagra. Amen. And if you don't need Viagra, get some G1 Who from China. But don't let the erection you feel for another woman make you. Hmm? Now you know what I'm telling you. I'm not going to, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Is there any among you afflicted? Let him pray. When we men feel pain, we get angry and we do everything. We watch football, we eat, we take a walk, we drive, we do everything but to pray. And men of honor are praying men. What made Jabez more honorable than his brethren was the fact that he prayed. And didn't allow the imposition of his circumstances to determine his direction in life. And let me tell you something. This is not in that book named Jabez because I asked somebody. I find out that a whole city was named after Jabez. 
And this city was a city where the scribes, those who wrote the scriptures, the Bible, dwelt and lived. It's right there in the Bible. The name of this city was called Jabez. And the Bible said in this city Jabez was where the scribes, those who wrote the scriptures, the Bible dwelt. It's in First Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 55. First Chronicles chapter 2 and 55, the city of Jabez. He was so honorable that those who wrote the scriptures chose to move to the city of Jabez. And yet this was a man that was so disadvantaged. Friends, your beginning does not determine your end. And where you are right now does not determine your future. Everybody has three days in this life. We all have three days. Say three days. You have three days and I have three days. The white man has three days. The black man has three days. The Spanish have three days. The Korean has three days. The Japanese have three days. The African, everybody has three days. Say three days. And we all have 24 hours a day. And we all have 365 days in the year. So you can't blame anybody. What you do with your 24 hours determines what you become at the end of the 24 hours. Everybody has three days. Yesterday is your first day and yesterday is your teacher today is your second day and today is your graduation day you graduate today from the experiences of yesterday and tomorrow is full of opportunities and challenges and it is determined by the choices you make today so realize that yesterday is your teacher today is your graduation tomorrow is full of opportunities and you can make wise and intelligent decisions today that will determine a better tomorrow and a better future for you and for your children's children live for the generations to come live for others live for your children don't live for yourself let me try and conclude now Somebody say, I hear, you. I hear you. Bishop, I find out that for nine months, Job was tested. God set Job up for a higher level of blessing. And please watch me carefully. When you see mighty men going through trials, be very careful of the conclusion you come to. Because it was God that set Job up. The devil didn't go for permission. It was God that said to Job, have you considered my servant Job? And listen carefully, God only allows the devil to tempt those who are ready to come of age. And so God said, when Job was a boy, when jo you see there are boys of God and there are men of God. When Job was a boy, I set a hedge of protection around him. But now that he has come of age, I'm going to remove the hedge of protection and give the devil permission. And God said, Satan, you can go, do your worst, and Job will stand for me. And will not deny my cause sometimes god will withdraw protection and cut you back to see and to let the devil know that you have what it takes to stand and for nine months joe faced hell and high water he never prayed he made faith confessions he praised god he said i know my redeemer live he said i know i know that though he slay me yet 
I will serve him. He made all these confessions, but he never prayed. But the Bible says in Job 42 and 10, that as soon as Job prayed for his friends, God turned his captivity. Are you hearing me, somebody? If you will pray for that woman that is causing you pain, if you will pray for that man that is causing you pain, if you will pray for those making you bitter, if you will pray for your father that was never home, if you will pray for that boss that is taking advantage of you, if you will pray for those that afflict you, God will turn your captivity. Are you hearing me, somebody? Shout yes! Shout If you will leave here and go back and pray, God will turn your captivity. When Job prayed, all this time he never prayed. He did everything but pray. We have trained a generation of people that know how to sing, to dance, have the rhythm, knows how to pray, to shout, to do everything, but don't know how to pray. We've raised up people that love good teaching and good preaching. And good teaching, good preaching is good. We need them. But I came to tell you that none of the revivals we've learned of, the revival, the, the Dutch revival, men like John Knox that prayed, and Queen Victoria in her day said, I fear nothing but the prayers of John Knox. Ah, men like Simeon of the 1908 move of Azusa were not men that were eloquent. They weren't very, they, they weren't very enlightened. They didn't know much about the things we know today. They didn't know about all the steps we learned today. Ah, but these were men that knew how to go to the altar. Ah, there was a time that the mothers in Zion and in Israel and the fathers would come to the altar and would lay before God and would hold to the arms of the altar and say, I will lift up my eyes unto the hill from when comes my help. My help come from he that created the heavens and the earth. Are you hearing me somebody? Lift up your hands and shout, I hear you. We need a generation of men that will pray like never before. The Bible said that Elijah was a man with passion, subject to passion, subject to feelings, subject to emotions, to erection, to all the things you and I have to go through. My God, but the Bible said he prayed. He prayed. He prayed. He prayed. He prayed earnestly. It meant that he prayed with passion. I'm going to give you some few minutes to pray. Turn this whole place into a prayer meeting. I didn't come to preach. This is not one of the ministries that need preachers to preach for. Because the man himself is a preacher among preachers. So when you come and stand here, you are not standing here because you can preach anything he can preach. So this is not a platform to just come here and do some Bible exposition. I didn't come to do Bible exposition. I didn't come to preach and I didn't come to teach. I came to war and I came to pray. Are you hearing me somebody? I don't know why you came, but I'm sick and tired of the devil messing with my family, messing with my finances. I came to pray. Are you hearing me somebody? Is there anybody here that came to pray? Do I have a witness? In Malachi chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible says, Before that great and terrible day of the Lord, He said, God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children 
and the heart of the children to the fathers lest I come and smite the earth with a curse you know why you have to pray because if you don't pray and you don't master and deal with your pain you will cause your children pain and you will cause your children's children pain and the earth will not be worth living so God said I need fathers because you standing here are the only men of honor your children will ever know you are the only ideal father and the only ideal man and the only ideal husband your children will ever know and though you might fail as a husband don't fail as a father if you fail in one thing don't fail in the other thing my god my god you are the only ideal man that your children will ever know and i challenge you when you leave these grounds in the book of nehemiah the fourth chapter and the 14th verse nehemiah said and i stood up and looked and arose and said to the nobles the men of honor to the rulers the leaders and to the rest of the people he said fight for your brethren it is time church to fight for our brethren we can't afford to lose any of our heroes we can't afford to lose any of our generals anymore we can't sit down to allow the enemy to capture any of our prophetic voices anymore he said pray fight for your brethren and fight for your sons fight for your daughters fight for your wives because the snake will talk to them if you don't talk to them if you don't fight for her the snake will talk to her fight for your wives and he said fight for your houses what does that mean fight for the inheritance of your children fight for the inheritance of the next generation i challenge you from all over this great nation and the world as you leave this ground today go fight for your brethren fight for your sons fight for your daughters fight for your wives fight for inheritance for the next generation are you hearing me somebody shout yeah Shout now I have a mandate from God this is what I'm gonna do I'm not making utter call I'm gonna pray for miracles but before I do that right now I sense God is going to open some people deaf some deaf ears some couple of you have are deaf in your ears right ear left ear two ears God is gonna open some deaf ears but listen carefully look at me now I need 1,000 men of honor that will commit from today to say, Bishop, we will pray for the preservation of the life of this man, Bishop Thomas DJ, his wife, his children, and his staff. We are not just going to come here and celebrate him and all that he does and the sacrifices and the investment and the time of his wife the children the family and his staff and come few hours from now we are all going to go away and everybody's going to leave him his wife and his staff alone and let me tell you something there is what we call satanic retaliations the devil always retaliates when we hit him hard and this man is punching the enemy everywhere he goes he's punching the joy of the enemy and I'm telling you something, the devil don't like him. And it will be a tragedy to our generation for us to sit down and celebrate our heroes and let the enemy take us by storm. We can't allow it. 
I need 1,000 men of honor that prays in the Holy Ghost that will commit that every day of the week we have at least a hundred men fasting on Monday and praying. Hundred men fasting on Tuesday and praying. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, praying to raise up divine coverings over him and his family, over his movements, his health, his body. This is not an easy task. I'm telling you that it will be a tragedy for us to sit down if the generation of Martin Luther King had prayed, that voice would have still be hearing, walking in the corridors of power. But because we are people who have never been used to heroes, we don't know how to die for our heroes. We don't know how to lay down our lives for our heroes. We don't know how to kill for our heroes. We celebrate them and we leave them alone. And when they go down, we all say, well, we didn't know that was there. We really didn't know that. This is a time that we must vow to ourselves. Because if anything goes wrong with this voice, our children will come and curse us. That God gave us such an opportunity. And we celebrated and took it for granted. I want 1,000 men of honor that will come forward and say, Bishop, pray for me. Let that thing that is upon you come upon me. I want to fast. I want to pray. I want to sacrifice one day in the week to fast and pray for the bishop, his wife, his children, his staff, his ministry. I'm sick and tired of God raising up men to impact our world, to change our world. And we sit down and just celebrate them and let the devil mess with them. And then we have no more heroes. No more. Somebody say no more. Somebody say never again. I can't hear you men of honor shout never again. Never again will God raise up a prophetic voice for the enemy to steal them and snatch them out of our house. Somebody shout never again. We will not allow it. Say Satan. No more. Keep coming. I want 1,000 men of honor. I need 1,000 men of honor. I want 1,000 men of honor praying in other tongues coming. Praying in the Holy Ghost and coming from all over the place. Shadabaha, with your hands lifted up. You are not coming to be prayed for. You are coming to pray for the man of God. We are used to just receiving the prayers of the man of God, but it's time to pray for him. I want all the men of God on the platform to just surround the bishop, but don't touch him. You can surround him, but don't, not, don't touch his body. Don't lay hands on his shoulders. Don't lay hands on his head. None of us are permitted to do that. Matakale, Sadil, he does not submit to any one of us here. Surround him with prayers. Lift up your hands. Surround him with prayers. All over this place, I need 1,000 men of honor. Keep coming from all over the earth. Lift up your hands and begin to pray. Pray for the preservation of this voice. Pray for divine protection. Pray for the miracle of divine preservation, favor, miracles. Open your mouth, everybody. I can't hear the man of honor. I can't hear the man of honor. I want you to open your mouth. Watch, but pray. Watch, but pray. Come on, come on, come on, somebody. Somebody open your mouth. Somebody open your mouth. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Hey, 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 hey. 
my God, my God, my God, do it again, do it again, do it again. Somebody open your mouth. Somebody open your mouth. Somebody take the enemy by storm. I can't hear you. I can't press in, press in, press. If we pray for him, he will not cause us pain. If we pray for him, he will not cause us pain. If we pray for him, he will not make us ashamed. Everybody lift up your hands, lift up your hands. Call unto God for the man's servant. Call unto God, lift up your voices. I came to pray. I don't know about you, but I came to pray for the man of God. I came to pray for Sarita Jakes. I came to pray for the seed of Thomas D. Jakes. I came to pray for the staff of this great ministry and the potter's house. Open your mouth. Release. 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 Release the anointing. Release the spirit of prayer. Release the spirit of intercession all over this place. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Pressing, pressing, pressing. Pressing, pressing, pressing. Go a little deeper. Go a little deeper. Fight for your brethren. Fight for Bishop Thomas DJ. Fight for his wife, Sarita J. Fight for his children. Fight for his staff. Fight for his sons. Fight for his daughters. Fight for TDJ ministry. Fight for the potter's house. Fight. For they have become a blessing. And we must fight for their cause. Now, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. If I have time, if I have time, I will pray for the sick if I have time. But the most important thing for which I came is not to preach or to teach. I came to pray. God sent me, he said, son, I want you to go to Tel Aviv. I flew to Tel Aviv and he said, go to Jerusalem. I went to Jerusalem, he said, go to the Wailing Walls. And I stood there by the Wailing Walls and he said, what you lack is consistency and perseverance he said you see these men here they pray night and day at the wailing wall and they never cease pray ye that make mention of the lord give him no peace hold not your peace we cannot hold our peace until god establishes this voice we cannot hold our peace until he finishes course listen if we pray for him passionately consistently he will not cause us pain if we pray for him he will not make us ashamed the reason why other voices and leaders made us ashamed and caused us pain was because we did not pray for them 
You didn't hear what I said. You didn't hear what I said. I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to do this. But I need 1,000 men who will register vigilantly. Your name, your address, your telephone number, your emails, and everything. And among those 1,000 men of honor here that will register to pray for the bishop all over the world, I need 100 and at least 20 or 25 among the 1,000 that will fast. Because Jesus said, he said, this kind, this kind, this kind goeth not out except by fastings and praying. And check, the bridegroom is not with us anymore. And Paul fasted and Paul prayed. So don't tell me that fasting is over. There are certain things until you fast and you pray and consecrate yourself. There are some victories you will never achieve. And I need at least 125 men that will fast and pray for the bishop on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday. So that every day of the week, there are prayers, intercession, voices lifted up to God for his man servant and telling the devil and the powers that be that no more. You didn't hear what I said. Somebody said no more. Oh, I can't hear you. Somebody say no more. Let the devil hear you say no more. And point your finger at him and say, devil, not this one. Say, not this one. Not this one. Ah, Kadohosa. Hey, 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 hey. Somebody. Kadabohosaya. I am going to need. This 1,000 men, I don't know how we're going to do it, but if we can give them envelopes, great. If we can give you envelopes, fill it out, fill it out, your email, and please write, and leave it right here, write in the language of understanding. Don't write in tongues. We need to read and understand what you've written. Your name, your address, email, telephone number, the name of your church. Give it every information how we can reach you. And we are going to network. Somebody say network. network. Say network. network. We are going to network among ourselves. Strong, passionate prayer.